Good morning. This morning I am reading Luke chapter 15 from the New International Version, verses 1 through 3 and 11 through 32, the parable of the lost son. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take a point, a minute for personal privilege to remind everybody as we're reading this that this parable can be can be put into modern terms and there are children who are lost in other ways that can ha come home and children that are lost in other ways that still yet to have have to come home and so I think Jesus was talking about them too. Now the tax collector and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate, so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill him. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. Again, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, was, he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. 
My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Wendy. So I've had the privilege over the last couple of weeks to participate in some really good parties. Let me explain. They, uh, the Wesley School had their 20th anniversary, and, and we, there were a group of us that got to go, and we got to participate in the, over at the, um, 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 what's the center, the, the, the Screwball Center, and it was this, this big uh, um, Alice in Wonderland theme party, and it was filled with food and dancing, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, and then uh, yesterday, I got to participate in a, um, a wedding reception, and again, it was filled with good conversation, good food, good company, and there was dancing, and it was fun. It was good. We love a good party, right? So I'm, I'm going to ask you all for just a moment, what's the best party that you have ever been to. Okay, I want you to think back and I want you to think about what's the best party that you have ever been to? Right? What made it so great? What made the party so great? Now, I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume that each of us would answer what makes a good party a little bit differently, right? It's going to be a little different for each of us. And for me, the best party are those spaces where you're present with great people, with great food and drink, and that there's music and there's dancing. And for just a moment, none of the worries of your life intrude upon that space. They are swept aside, and for a brief while, I don't have a care in the world. And joy rules the day. That's what makes a great party. Now, the parable we just heard, the parable of the lost son, of the prodigal son, of the forgiving father, however you interact with that parable, it's set in a series of teaching that Jesus gives that involves something being lost, then being found and restored to the others from which it had been separated, and a resulting celebration. And Jesus is telling these parables. He's telling these stories in response to the Pharisees who have come, and they are grumbling because of the people that Jesus is having table fellowship with. He was eating and associating with tax collectors, with prostitutes, and with, I, I always love it when they're like, and sinners. Like, okay, so you have tax collectors, prostitutes, and you have sinners. Um, okay, I guess, I guess that's just the big category for those of us that, you know, um, well, we, we may not be tax collectors or prostitutes, but we're, you know, we fall short, right? Right? So, anyway, so he's got these people around him, and the Pharisees are grumbling. 
you know, and, and then it always strikes me too. I'm always thinking, were they like standing outside the door, w- peering in and wondering what's going on? You know, are they following Jesus around and wondering, wait, wait, look, look, look who he's sitting with. Oh, I can't believe that this man is associating with these people. It's like, well, what are you doing looking in the window and the door? Anyways, I digress. Um, so he tells these stories. And you, you hear this one, the story of a son who goes to his father, and he's the younger son. He says, give me your, my portion of the inheritance so that I might go and find my life elsewhere. And the father goes, and he does it. And, and the son goes and manages to squander all of the money. And, um, and I, the Greek is actually, uh, you know, squandered the money in dissolute living. And so it's kind of this general term. We don't know the details. All we know is that he ends up in a pigsty. And he's hungry. And he longs to eat the pods that are being fed to the pigs. And these pods are carob pods. And if you've ever seen a carob tree, I'm not saying the little carob drops that you get in kosher cookies. Um, because it, it can be manufactured and made into this chocolate-like substance. And I do say chocolate-like. <laughs> um, but, um, but carob pods are, are they're kind of stinky. They're kind of, they're, they're not attractive. But it was something that they would feed to the pigs. And he was looking at these things, and he just wishes that he could eat them as well. But nobody gives him anything. And he has that moment of realization that my father's servants live better lives than this. So if I go home and ask my, you know, and, and present myself as a servant, then I will, I will be living better than I am right now. Of course, he goes home, and the father will have none of it. He's going to have him back as a son. And you have the whole puts the ring on the finger and the coat, and all those are symbols of being family. His father will not receive him as a servant. His father will only receive him back as a son. And then, of course, the older son is, is out in the fields. So the father's throwing this big party, probably sends a servant out to go and collect the son. And as they're coming in, they hear the music and the dancing, and older son turns to the servant and says, well, what's going on? Well, your younger son has come, and your father's killed the fatted calf, and they're having a party. And instead of being excited, the older son is really ticked off. I almost said something else, but ticked off. We'll go with that one. Um, and, um, and, And he won't go inside. He won't go inside. And the father comes out and pleads with him to come and join in the party. of these stories are painfully clear by the time Jesus finishes this story of the prodigal son. And that is that God wants to throw parties for all who find their way back into the fold. For all who find their way back into the midst from those from whom they have been separated. And the question is hanging there at the end of this story. Is the older son going to come in and join in the party? Or is he going to stay outside? 
And for us, are we going to join in with the party of the movement of the kingdom of God, or are we going to grumble about how that kingdom unfolds? About who that kingdom includes? Last week we talked about repentance, and repentance shows up again this week. It shows up when that younger son has that moment of clarity about if he goes home, he can live as a servant and it will be better than the moment, the way that he is faring on his own. And so he turns around. He heads home. He returns to his starting place. He back to the place that he should have never left. And he arrives humbled by his experience. But have we ever stopped to look and see what brings that younger son to repentance? He's in the pig pen, as I said, and he's so hungry he wants to eat those pods. And he remembers his father's servant eating bread. And so he decides to come home. And yeah, he's got his speech where he's practicing it over and over, where I'm going to come in, I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but please have me as a servant in your household. And it's all impressive. And maybe that younger son meant every single word, but the way that Jesus tells the story it's the longing for bread that brings the younger son home. It's not a pure motive. And yet notice how the father responds. He won't even listen to the speech. And he's calling for the ring and for the coat. He is simply overjoyed that he's got his son back. But you know who sees the impure motive? The older brother. He sees it. And he will not join in with the father's joy. As we said, that parable ends unresolved. A loving father arguing with his oldest son to come inside and join in the party to celebrate. The younger son has come home. The tension hangs over the Pharisees and the grumblers. Will you come in and simply share the joy of the Father? Can the Father's joy be your joy? And if you think about it, Jesus is standing up at the table and staring at the Pharisees, staring at the grumblers and saying, can my joy be your joy? And so I'm going to bring this a little, little closer to home. When we talk about the parable of the prodigal son, which character do you most identify with? Is it the younger son? The one who runs off and figures out that he has to come back home? Is it the older son who never left, who's always been good, who's been dutiful, who has always sought to uphold the expectations of the household? Or are you the father, the loving father, 
who has felt the pain of watching your children go off on their own. And you wonder if they're safe. You wonder if they're going to be okay. You wonder how their soul is. You know, when I teach this in Bible study, and, and I, I'm serious, I think I teach it at least once a year because it, it's always covered in, in studies. But when I ask that question around the tables, almost every person confesses that they identify with the older brother. Oh, we'll have a few younger brothers. We might have a father or two in there. But most people are like, this parable, has all, I, I've, it's, I've always struggled with it. You know, why doesn't the older brother get things? He was the faithful one. He should receive more. The younger son should have been brought in as a servant. And the party should have been thrown for the older son. Right? Isn't that how it should work? But the older son reveals a couple of things about himself in the story. First of all, he characterizes the relationship that he has with his father as being a master-to-slave kind of relationship. I have worked for you as a slave. I have slaved for you all these years. The second thing, he is upset that the younger son has squandered your property with prostitutes. Now, that may or may not be true. The original thing is that it was squandered the wealth and dissolute living. But the older son has assumed that includes prostitutes. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But I want, want you to think about this for a moment. In the first century Palestinian culture, the oldest son was entitled anywhere from two-thirds to three-fourths of the father's property when there were multiple siblings primary heir. And the older brother's upset because he's afraid that the younger brother is taking away from his inheritance. And in that flash of indignant anger, he reveals that his concern is not about the relationship that he has with his father. His concern is about his father's household, about what he will inherit from his father. And in the end, we begin to realize the difference between the younger son and the older son is not all that different. And how many times have we seen families fall apart after the patriarch and the matriarch pass away and the siblings go into a bloodbath over the terms of the will when they see how the inheritance is being handed out it can be an ugly scene it can be a very ugly scene so I asked you who you related to and if we're honest sometimes we're the younger son and sometimes we're the older brother 
this is what I want to say, is it doesn't matter which one you are. Because the truth is, the Father loves both of his sons. And the question of the parable is, can we love both sons? Can we love both children? All through Lent, we've been talking about the Jesus way. A way that is leads to the cross in a way of repentance and a way of discipline. But we have to be careful. Because the process of examining one's heart and spirit and seeking to be more holy can often make us forget the tremendous amount of joy that is present in God's kingdom and the present of the the huge amount of joy that is present when God is in the room. And when is God in the room? Always, right? Right? Can we remember that the way of Christ is dotted with parties? And better yet, can we think of ways that we can give God a reason to throw a party? Isn't that a way of changing that? Can we do stuff that would make God want to celebrate, that would make God want to throw a party? I have a couple suggestions. Like I said, the first one is we give God a reason to party. That means that we are involved in doing the work that helps bring people back to where they belong. That we are always inviting people into our midst Not just, hey, if you show up, we're glad you're here, but literally going out and bringing them in and offering that invitation to say, in the family of God, there is a place for you. That ministry where we help people change their course and to come home. Or maybe it's that we find ourselves working so hard that we forget to share in God's joy. And it means that we come in from the field for a moment to gather around the table. People we love, good food and drink, and maybe with some good music and dancing, and we let joy rule the moment. That leads us to the second thing is we have to stop seeing ourselves as slaves. Yeah, in the epistles, Paul uses that. I consider myself a slave for Christ. He's speaking metaphorically. He's not speaking in reality. And we have to stop seeing ourselves as God's slaves. And I confess that we clergy can often unintentionally make your relationship with God sound more like slavery than a vibrant, joyful partnership with a creator trying to make good and to redeem a rebellious creation. We need to remember that God is not an angry old man keeping track of our miscues and sins and telling us to get off his lawn. We have to remember that God has a conspiracy of joy that is ready to be rolled out in our world. Are you in? Are you in on helping roll out that conspiracy of joy? And I ask, are you in? Because nobody's forcing you. We join in by our own free will. 
personally join in through the power of love. And the last point I will leave you with is practice makes perfect. Vince Lombardi once said, it's not just practice that makes perfect, it's perfect practice makes perfect. And we need to practice our partying. That's practice I can get into. Have you noticed that whenever we celebrate communion, we talk about the great heavenly banquet? It's another party scene, and we talk about it every month. And I don't know if that registers within us, but it sounds like a big backyard barbecue. Everybody gathering at the table with a big plate of, oh, maybe it's tri-tip, I, I don't know. I don't know what God's serving at the great heavenly banquet, but uh, I just imagine this big party. We need to rehearse. We need to be ready for those moments that the party unfolds within our lives. How do we rejoice? How do we celebrate? And if we don't do those things very well, then we need to practice. Because most people don't think of church as a party. Most people think of church as a place of guilt. We need to party better. Come on, party people. It's time that we join in with God's party. It's time that we come in from the back porch and join in with God's joy. Amen.
morning. It's already time for our monthly announcements. Be sure to pick up your copy of the good news. The newsletter is in the distribution bins, or if you're going green, you can go online to www.nohofumc.org and save the church a stamp. Also, be sure to check the back of this morning's bulletins. There is a little more information here, including uh, to this evening's 5 p.m. Methodist men's meeting at the Navarro home, home in Northridge. So you can get some more information on that, as well as more information how to reach us on the back of your bulletin. God Talk with Pastor Steve takes place on April 2nd and 9th at the District Pub on Lancashire at 8 p.m., and the Soup Supper, Vespers, and Lenten study will take place on Thursdays, April 4th and 11th. And that is in the lounge at 7 p.m. for Soup Supper and Vespers, 7.30 for the study. Next Sunday, April 7th, we have two things going on following church. First, there's the UMW pop-up Easter boutique in front of the lounge following worship. And then following that, the church council meeting will be in the Boyer Chapel at 12.15 Everybody is invited to come and attend that, so please join us at 12.15 in Boyer Chapel for the church council meeting, and if you're like me, you actually have written it down on the back of the bulletin for this afternoon, uh, for next week. Friday, April 12th, is the 12th annual Multicultural Potluck. This is a collaborative event with the Wesley School and NoHo FUMC. The event begins at 6 p.m. in the social hall and the school quad, and we need folks to sign up to bring a favorite family dish that they'd like to share. Also, we have five centerpieces to make that would represent a culture or a heritage. And if you'd like to do that, just come on and let me know. It's going to be a really fun night. It has so much food from around the world. And we'll have entertainment like spoken word poets, uh, Polynesian dancers from my hula studio, and the fourth and sixth grade will be singing. Saturday, April 13th is Easter Basket Prep Day at 11.30 a.m. in the lounge. You might have noticed there's an insert in your bulletin. We will organize donations and prepare the assembly line, and we are in need of wrapped candy donations and or cash donations, as well as you will see the wish list. Now, Sunday, April 14th is also Palm Sunday, and those in attendance will receive palm fronds. It's also Mission Sunday, and we will be collecting non-perishable food items. Uh, the request this month is bags of white rice for the North Hollywood Interfaith Food Pantry. And also that day on Sunday, April 14th, Palm Sunday, is Easter Basket Assembly Day. And this is a great day to invite family and friends to come. We have 100 baskets to fill. All the baskets will go to Hope of the Valley Rescue Mission's Women's Shelter, so the family shelter. And we'll be having everything set up in front of the lounge, and it's a lot of fun. We'll have really good food, and it's just a wonderful time of celebration and joy. Monday, April 15th, is the Tabitha Circle meeting. Uh, they'll be meeting to make baby blankets and items for Olive View Hospital. If you'd like to help this ministry, you can donate money towards them specifically for their supplies, or you can come to the monthly circle at 10.30 a.m., in the hand-in-hand -hand room on Monday the 15th to help them sew. And it's time to order your Easter lilies in honor or in memory of loved ones. Plants are $10 each, and they'll adore, adorn our cross that sits in the chancel on Easter Sunday. That's so gorgeous. So plants can be taken home at the end of worship service and enjoyed for many, many weeks to come afterwards. So you can get your order forms in the good news 
that you are that you have in your hands. You can also print it up online or go into the church office. All right, here's the big stuff. We've got now our Holy Week schedule. First off, Pastor Steve is inviting you to worship all week long. We have something each night of Holy Week. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we have informal gatherings at 7 p.m. in Boyer Chapel with the Labyrinth Walk taking place Tuesday evening. Now, Good Friday will include Stations of the Cross all day from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Maundy Thursday and Good Friday worship services are at 7 p.m. And Saturday, there's going to be a version of an Easter vigil also at 7 p.m. Um, we are also excited to celebrate something. Easter Sunday, April 17th, 1949. Picture it. It was the first worship service in this beautiful sanctuary. We are celebrating our 70th anniversary here in the main sanctuary. Join us for two Easter services. Easter sunrise service is at 6.30 a.m. outdoors on our really lovely patio. The main celebration service in here at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to volunteer and you're an early riser to come set up Easter sunrise service, let me know. And speaking of volunteers, the day before Easter, we'll be having the Children's Easter Festival on Saturday the 20th. The event is from 10.30 a.m. to noon. And this is another one. Please invite friends, family, bring kids, grandkids. You would need to arrive early if you'd like to volunteer from between 9 a.m. and 9.30. We will have all kinds of activities, games, free concessions, and there will be the ever-popular bounce houses. Please let Patty know if you'd like to assist. And Tuesday, April 23rd, Ruth Circle will meet in the community room at 7.30 p.m. The PB&J project has moved to Thursday, April 25th, at 7 p.m. to make room for Holy Thursday and their service in Boyer Chapel. Saturday, April 27th, a new mission, the Great L.A. River Cleanup, is from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Willow Street Estuary in Long Beach. So you can register online at the Friends of the L.A. River for this 30th annual event, or you can see Muffet Brinkman. Ooh, okay, now the next announcement is actually for an event that's happening here in May, but we need to prepare everybody. On May 4th, NoHo FUMC will be hosting a reading of 11 monologues, each based on a story of a person who has experienced homelessness. This event is part of Homeward LA's 10-day citywide event, where multiple productions are performed all over Los Angeles, bringing attention to uh, the homeless crisis and raising funds for the Midnight Mission an amazing nonprofit organization on Skid Row. Now, our production is going to feature members of our church, as well as other readers from the surrounding community. We will be collecting donations at the door of hopefully at least $20 per person the night of the event, with hopes of raising $2,000 for the Midnight Mission. Now, that is the end of announcements. We'd like to please invite you to stay following worship for Coffee Fellowship right out these doors to my right, your left, in the lounge. Today, it's hosted by the Abrina Navarro and Sapinosa family, so we're going to have a little Filipino lunch, so be sure to stay and join us for that. And with those wonderful things in our hearts and minds, let us end this morning's worship service by opening your red hymnals to number 383, standing if you're able, and singing This is the Day of New Beginnings. 